I really tend to like um, fruity smells. Like, um, I definitely like tropical. Like, I, like, I love the smell of pineapple. Like fresh cut pineapple? Yeah, that's just so good. Oh, okay. I fucking love that. You like mangoes at all? Oh, hell yeah. I fucking yes. fuck with mangoes so hard. Top, okay. Name, I think we've done this before, but just hit me top three fruits real quick. Mm. Damn, that's rough. Okay, I, I think I, I can I can speed run mine real quick. It is fuck pineapple mango no mango pineapple watermelon. Ooh okay. Mm. I'm, I'm definitely a, that. mango. Probably strawberry. Ooh yeah yeah yeah. Uh fuck. I'm I'm really a big fucking fan of of citrusy stuff so probably pineapple yeah yeah but, but i do love like apples like i fucking i really fuck with pink lady apples i think those yeah are so fucking good dude dude so you're more of a sweet than a sour apple yeah yeah, well, yeah. Uh, i like them both but if i'm gonna have one and you put a pink lady in front of me i'm gonna tear that shit up yeah yeah for sure austin have you eaten fruit in the past decade uh yeah, that's all I've eaten today actually, mm. except for this nasty shitty sub sandwich. Not the not the ones in cereal. No. Okay. No. Really so, fun. what's your top three favorite fruit? <sighs> um, apples, bananas, and watermelon. Oh God damn it! I love bananas, dude. Shit. I do fucking love bananas. Bananas. Uh, God damn it! Great. I love bananas. Damn, I think bananas might be four for me because if you put all four of those in front of me, I'd pick the three that I mentioned first for sure. Watermelon is just you, you. You can serve it so many different ways; it can never go wrong. It always oh, hits. it's so good, dude. You're not fucking kidding. Before I started the show, um, I was uh wa- like browsing through TikTok, and this dude, I I don't know what he was doing. I don't know, like a like a fucking street stand or something, but he had this thing that he it was a hand sized watermelon, and he slid mm-hmm. this like uh cutting tool that was cylindrical inside the watermelon and then he twists it and pulls out a long cylinder of that watermelon and then he puts a blender inside the hole mixes it all up pours rum in it with some ice cubes and shit and then you fucking drink it yeah it sounds great it sounds fucking great then you eat the watermelon that you pulled out it was one of the coolest things i've ever seen and made me want to drink and that never happens that sounds delicious. It does, dude. Um, Watermelon is so good. It is. But then, like, pineapple, like Josh was saying, it's the fucking best, man. Pineapple just tears up, like, the roof of my fucking I mouth. suffer through it, man. It's so acidic. Like, I I enjoy that burn because the taste is so good. Kiwis are worse, though. Ooh, I do love some kiwis. I'm not going to lie. Kiwis I like them, too, shit, but man. very Yeah, painful. golden kiwis, you guys like them? I don't think I've ever had that. It is yeah. a sweeter kiwi. Really? Yep. Interesting. Hmm. I do be liking those blueberries. We're all good on those. Yeah, yeah I blueberries are fuck okay. with blueberries so yeah. hard, dude. Dude, I'll turn my shit purple eating as many blueberries as I possibly can. It just the thing about blueberries is sometimes they're a little <laughs> inconsistent. Like you, you get a box, you get one super sweet, next one super sweet, next one sour as shit. Like it's I inconsistent. Do feel that, yeah. I don't like that. It's I don't true. like that. But I kind of feel like that's that's the way with like all berries, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Strawberries are overrated. Cherries? I love fucking strawberries, man. Uh, I fuck with cherries pretty good, too. Yeah, I like a good black cherry. Oh, yeah. I like fake cherries, but I don't like real cherries. 
You, oh, like the ones in the juices? Like the maraschino? No, like the, like the ones you get at, like, fucking, um... Like, you go to Steak and Shake, like the fake cherries they put on top. <laughs> yeah. So the no. ones I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, the maraschino Oh, yeah, cherries. sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, those are good. Those though. are good, are. but I don't like I don't like real cherries. Well, that's because they're like fucking drowned in sugar. sugar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Honestly. Um What's what's I'm trying to think of what my most hated fruit is. Do you guys know Steak and Shake doesn't even use real ice cream? That None of that shit's real. That sounds about right. That's part for it's the called course. shake butter. Okay, anyway, I don't First off, Hang on, it's back. called what? I was, yeah, I was gonna it's move called on. Shake I butter. can't. That's the worst. It's a big tube called. Nope. It's like it comes don't in like a bit, not a tube. <laughs> it comes in a big container, just labeled right, shake butter. Better, but I don't like the name. Yeah, it's terrible. It smells awful. It tastes awful. Uh, what do you mean it tastes awful? It doesn't taste good by itself. Uh huh. No, that wasn't my question necessarily. It's how do you know what it straight out of the tube tastes like? Uh, Madison used to work at Steak and Shake. Okay. No, nope. so still not doing some. great, Austin, because I need to know how you know what it tastes you don't like need straight to out know of the shit. tube. You don't need to know nothing. Okay. I'm going to wonder, though. So You don't need to know anything more than what I tell you. You really didn't tell me anything at all, and I know that was probably the point, but now I need to know, because you said tube. Let me go back to well, that. You said tube, and you've said that you know what it tastes like, and it being shit. What kind Why of don't tube? you ponder on it and we'll get no, back no, to no, it no, after no, no, no. the show. See, the cool thing is, is I already have an image in my head of what I think happened, <laughs> and I don't like it, but I need you to tell me what actually happened. What do you think happened? I think there was some phallic... Um, they try uh, to recreate imagery. the scene from... Uh, from what, what's that fucking movie? Uh, not another teen movie. Oh, no. That's what oh, happened. You're not that far That's off. That's exactly what All happened. All right. You're not that far off. Oh, man. Well, see. I don't even I know what you're talking about because I've never seen that movie. Okay. Well. Oh, Austin. Come on, man. I do. And it's just fine. It's, it's fine. I got what I needed. I, I It's it's okay. Did you? you got your smut for the, for the episode? Oh, wait. Speaking of porn. When we oh, were talking Jesus. about, like, last week... And we'll talk about this yeah. late, 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 late in the show when we start talking about we? what we've been playing. But okay. I feel like on your top five, Weird. where did you find the top five uh, video game porn searches? Uh, Google. So on Bing, I feel like, no, I'm joking. I feel like in the top five in the coming, I'll say month, I guarantee uh-huh. Street Fighter Six makes it into that top five. Oh, it will <laughs> undoubtedly. <laughs> uh, you probably. I mean, Street Fighter was already pretty. I think Street Fighter was already pretty high in the top ten. If I'm being totally honest. Welp. It's about. I don't know. Let's three. double check. What the fuck was that? What the fuck was what? I I just heard shit start falling, and I don't know where shit fell from. Um, I don't know. Okay. It's set up for well, a movie. Maybe. Um, yeah, Street Fighter is actually in the top 15. What number is it's it at 14. right now? 14. Okay. Give it a month. I, I agree with that, dude. There's so many fucking... Like, My bad, 21. Awesome How very best designs? List. 21. No, 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 no. Because he just had a fucking seven-number difference. How? How... 
because I thought it was 15 and then I counted it out and it's like a 22 list. I don't know why it ends on 22, but here we are. It's Street Fighter's 21 with Mass Effect at 22, which is odd. Mass Effect, I feel like, would be way higher than 22. Yes. What website are you using? Uh, this is uh, Pornhub. This is Pornhub. Oh, shit. Uh, this is official information from Pornhub. How low is uh, Why is Roblox so no, high? No. Roblox? No. It's no. so high, dude. It's above... I mean, it's above Mortal Kombat, Skyrim, what? Among Us. What? Um, Among Us is just... what? <laughs> <laughs> Final Fantasy is up there. Final Fantasy is at uh, eighteen, which I also felt like that would be higher. Uh, Call of Duty is nineteen for some reason, uh, and Cuphead Price. at twenty. Who Cuphead. is looking up Cuphead? Who is yes. doing that? Mm, you sult- sultry little saucer. Resident Evil, Valorant, League of Legends. All yes. What was the first one? Very the very first one is Fortnite. Oh yeah, that pissed me off. I forgot. Followed by Overwatch, Genshin Impact, Minecraft, and Pokemon, rounding out the top five. Okay. Well, Pokemon's the gross inclusion, but whatever. We've done it. Have we? Yeah, you uh, guys have gotten very smutty with Pokemon before. Yeah, we were all Have just we? talking about Nessa like two months ago. Well, not all. It was just I definitely don't think it was two months ago. I think it was two days ago. Don't do... No, I meant in the... Yeah, you're right, but I meant the last episode where we actually... <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. It's still not... Okay, sure. All right. <laughs> all right. Justin's clicked off already. Yeah. He's behind. He's not even listening to this until fucking, like, September 11th or something. Very odd day is, to yep. just come out off the to- off the dome. He's He lives in New York. So all he thinks about is <laughs> September 11th. No. Because oh, I they do, also have it broken down forget. by characters. <laughs> <sighs> and Chun-Li is hey, number 10. That will be the best joke that happens on this show tonight. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely the worst one. a show for you today uh it is it's yeah it's, it's time for us to to get back to our roots you know a little bit and by roots i mean the thing that we uh we do every now and then um you know not all the time and obviously not the first thing that we did because <laughs> what was the first thing we did when we got here it was uh oh Maybe yeah talk about sui- suicide that's it yep Yep. Did we? 100 episodes deep, and we're still here. Same yep. thing. Okay. Still talking about yep. that toaster bath. Let's so still haven't gone to therapy. I have. Mm. That's nice. Good for you, you fucking Good. rich fuck. Oh, honestly, it Jesus Christ. Insurance, but... 
Yeah, you I can mean, afford insurance. Oh, well. Afford to have insurance. Technically, I get it through my <laughs> job. So, and it gets. gets well, aren't you lucky to have a job? Yes, but it's one that I never mind. Yep. No, it's not. <laughs> anyway, we're I gonna we're gonna be doing a battle royale for our topic of the show. B R. V R. No, I said B, like Battle Royale. Oh, okay. Yeah. Speaking of VR, do you see Apple's $3,000 oh, price sink? boy. Yep. Oh. No one's going to buy that. Nope. My so, no, someone will. Uh, so, yeah, fucking someone, someone will. will. Right, but outside of Jeff, I'm not sure who else. It wouldn't be at that price point if they didn't think it was going to sell. Yeah, I, th- I think I- you're... Probably I think right. my favorite joke was, I better be able to see the past, present, and future. With <laughs> <laughs> For that fucking dude. price? Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I better be able to talk to dead family members through that shit. No, I'm good. For $3,500. Goddamn. Yeah, what a wild time to be alive. Um, yeah. Uh, so we got that, and then we got other things, you know. Because that's what we do. Anyway, I am, of course, your host, the one and only Skibbity Bebop, Josh McMullen. And I am joined, as almost always, by one, <clears throat> two, <clears throat> yep. two of my two. Yep. But what? I don't know how to read. God damn. Uh, but one of the <clears throat> two in the crew. No, 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 no. Two of the two in the crew? Yes, yes. That part was not updated. Uh, (laughs) I just remembered to do the names. Okay. Dylan never forgets Martin (laughs) and August the 5th of November, Stevens. He said August. He said August. I said August? (laughs) Did I call Austin August? You did. That's so sweet, though. That's his son's name. Is it? No, not if that's doxing. <laughs> it might not be. It's not. It might just be the name I you think it is. What are the up. laws on doxing three-year-olds? Why would I <laughs> tell you my son's real name? <laughs> two of the two. Okay, see, I did it. <laughs> two of the two. And the crew. I'm doing good. That's good. Yeah. Austin, you've not been here in a while. How are you? Uh, I was here last week. I'm fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was the one that was gone last week. Yeah, I know. I've, I've tried to forget. Yeah. Did you listen to that show? That was a shit show. Oh, well, yeah. I, I had to. I had to. That's true. You edited it. It was. It was fun. It was. It was something. You guys started talking about games, and then you stopped talking about games, and then you started yep. talking about games again. Yep. It was fun. <laughs> It was a good time. It was such a. There was no structure. That, that was I an advocate. It. That. <laughs> that was a solid advertisement for eighty-eight <laughs> Oh, if I've ever fucking seen one. That's the truest statement, dude. dude we were all because it was just. If we didn't have an outline, bouncing. man, like I, I, I promise you, all of us, it, it would be like that. Yes. We would just like come and go as we pleased. Yep. Four hours have passed, and we're somehow talking about how many satellites are orbiting the Earth. Truly. Or about how McDonald's hasn't brought the snack wrap back. What is that? Wait, I didn't know that that was gone. You didn't know that was uh-huh. gone? It's been gone for ten years. What's, 
Bro, I never ordered it. (laughs) Bro, the snack wrap is like the greatest thing at McDonald's. What is a snack wrap? Oh, I'm just going to Google it. Yeah, just Google (laughs) it. It's great. It was like a dollar. It was so good. And they took it away. Cheap bastards. Yeah, it was, it was basically it like a, a chicken tender inside of a, a tortilla. Oh, With ew, cheese. I remember those. those were not good. <laughs> ew, what do you mean? It was the best thing on Hidden the menu. Valley Ranch on it or some yeah, shit. that's why I never fucking tried that shit, man. <laughs> Dude, that was... It like... was the only thing probably made from a real ingredient. Brother, that fucking ranch is made from goddamn Kraft's Dungeons. Y'all are crazy because that ranch smacked, dude. Mm, did it? You, you tell you tell Warren Buffett that. <laughs> Wait, why are we telling Warren Buffett anything? I think Who's he owns Kraft. Shut the fuck up. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> I think he owns Kraft, but I'm not. A, I'm not a thousand percent sure. That sounds. Or not owns true. the company that owns Kraft. I'm pretty sure Robert Kraft does. No, like I'm telling you, dude. I please don't make. <laughs> no, Warren Buffett. I'm I'm relatively positive. Warren Buffett is like a real estate guy. He, dude, Kraft. He own Warren Buffett owns twenty six percent of Kraft Heinz. Thank oh, you. Shit. Twenty six percent. That's actually. Yep. He owns like twelve point four billion dollars worth. <laughs> so. Oh, anyway, Austin. So he's a billionaire. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> You know, judging by the $12.4 billion next to his name. Oh, that's not even all of it. Oh, I'm sure. Um, the Phil Collins joke I made, that wasn't a joke either. What joke? That Wait, wasn't yeah, a what joke. Jo- yeah, what joke? When I said that I didn't know who that was, yeah. that wasn't a that's, joke either. That's not a joke. Yeah, that just seems plausible. <laughs> He's what like, that's expected. Fuck? I mean, yes. But you have to yeah. know one of his songs. Maybe. Do you know one of his songs? Don't fucking play. If I heard it, probably, yes. but off the top of, but by name, no. I sang it to you no. in group chat earlier. Yeah. Through text. Mm. Did you? I did. Oh, I must have missed that one. It's okay. We were all over the place this afternoon. Uh, it's true. Well, isn't that, that's the same as like every episode though, right? That's true. Like right now. Yeah, true. we're 23 minutes deep into this show. Well, I've been recording a while, so. Yeah, same. Well, you know, uh, stuff and things. Hey, guess what? What? Uh, I don't think I've talked about this on the show before. Um, Maybe I have, but uh, I watched Succession. Was it (sighs) successful? It was. It was something, that's for sure. Um, So... The final episode aired on Sunday, um, and I'm not going to do, like, any... I'll maybe spoil a, a couple of things, maybe, like, um, like event-related things from the beginning, but, uh, like, it, it won't be anything if, if anybody's, like, interested in watching it or, or knowing how it ends or anything like that. I'm not going to go into, like, crazy spoilers. Um, so... Um, yeah, it ended Sunday, and I'm I'm genuinely kind of sad about it. Uh, so, Succession for the uninitiated is the HBO show developed by Jesse Armstrong that is about an ultra wealthy family that runs a media conglomerate and how the family kind of interacts with one another while all sort of 
vying for power. Um, that's probably the simplest way to put it uh, without giving anything away. Um, and I, I came in right before season three started and I believe I watched the first two seasons rolling into that third one. I, it may have been like, it, it's possible that it was a couple episodes deep in season three before we finally caught up and were like on track. But either way, it doesn't matter. Um, I was hooked from like the word go right from the pilot. Uh, this show has some of the best examples of literally every aspect of filmmaking in it. Like from, from the like lighting to the direction, like just the craft or like from a craft perspective, this show is just top notch. Absolutely exceptional. Um, it's kind of filmed in this almost documentary style using like, mostly handheld cameras. I think they occasionally dip into like uh, tripods and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but it's all done in that sort of uh, documentary style that kind of like lends this sort of like aura of authenticity and like immediacy to everything. And even though it's kind of shot in the documentary style, there's still a ton of style to it. Like the operators regularly use like these little like kind of like zoom push-ins to emphasize like character expressions and they'll use like shot compositions and like use those as ways to echo events that like happened in the past so like they'll do stuff where they'll have like say uh one of the characters standing like um right behind another character and then they'll use a similar kind of framing later in the series to kind of call back to that moment. And it's just, it's really good stuff. Um, all the locations, uh, as far as I can tell, are all real places and it kind of helps make everything just feel expensive. Like you feel like you're in this world with these like ultra fucking wealthy people. Um, the acting of the show is just straight up phenomenal, like across the board. Um, the core four characters are the family patriarch Logan Roy, who's played by Brian Cox. Uh, the two sons, Kendall and Roman Roy, played by Jeremy Strong and Kieran Culkin. And uh, the last of the, the major four is Siobhan Roy, played by Sarah Snook. Um, there are a couple of other characters that have really big roles like in, in the grand scheme of things, but when it comes to like the plot, for the most part... The core conflict is with those people. Um, but, like, uh, Matthew McFadden is um, Tom Wamsgans. And uh, the... Uh, fuck. Uh, Nicholas... Um, Nicholas Braun is Cousin Greg. And, like, those two... Almost still every scene that they're in. Like, they are just wonderful. Um... But uh, Jeremy Strong and Brian Cox get most of the attention for their strong performances, and that's uh, that's pretty much completely warranted. Uh, they're both just excellent. Uh, Cox is almost always burning holes into other characters with his eyes, and the outbursts of anger are always something to just like behold. Really, like you're you're sitting there, and they are just like. It's like watching a fucking volcano erupt. It's so just mesmerizing. 
Uh, Jeremy Strong really sells you on his character being an absolute idiot that thinks that he knows what's going on, but kind of doesn't a lot of the time. Like, he's always the butt of the joke, but he never understands that. But there's also, like, these, like, kind of, like, knowing sort of, like, like, he kind of knows that he's sort of the butt of the joke sometimes. But he also kind of plays it with this sort of sweetness uh, that, like, you kind of feel for him from, from time to time. Like, I was, I rewatched the, um, I think it was the third episode. It might, it might have been, like, the fourth. Uh, but, like, um, I kind of, like, rewatched part of the series before this, um, starting at the very beginning. And it's, like, the second or third, maybe even the fourth episode, where, Kendall kind of has to take over uh, because of a medical emergency that Logan has. And he learns of this this thing that could potentially sink the, sink the company. And he does his absolute best to kind of like fight it off. And given like all the information that was around him and everything that could have been done, like... I feel like what happened was he made the correct decision, but you get this like scene with him and Logan where Logan is like, you are a fucking idiot. And like, kind of like lays into him while he's like still recovering from having been in the fucking hospital. (laughs) And like, it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, it sucks sometimes watching some of these characters because they're really bad people, but you kind of feel for them in some of these instances. Um, and that's actually where I kind of think Kieran Culkin's performance absolutely shines. He plays arguably the most despicable person in the entire show. But then there are these scenes where he plays Roman with this sort of vulnerability that just like, it really, really rings true. And like a lot of people have pointed out, and I think rightfully so that he is kind of been um the one to beat this season in terms of like his performances and like i really think that that's right but i kind of think he's been doing it like the entire show like there are moments littered throughout seasons one and two that really kind of like let you see a side of roman that like just feels different when compared to what you're seeing with like Kendall and Shiv and Tom and you know, all these other characters and like, he kind of, he sinks into himself. It's a really interesting performance. I, I just, I fucking love it. Um, that isn't even putting into perspective just how fucking good Sarah Snook is like from the entirety of the show, but especially from season two onwards, like her her work with Matthew McFadden and Brian Cox just puts some of the best fucking acting on screen like just period it's unreal there's a scene in particular uh, i think it might be the season finale of season 2 where Sarah Snook just delivers like knockout after knockout after knockout and it's like oh fuck man she's a great actress um but 
all of that said, the real crux of why I think Succession is so fucking excellent uh, is is the writing. Succession is up there with like The Sopranos and Mad Men is one of the greatest shows of all time, and it's almost entirely due to the flawless writing. Everything in the show can be sort of summed up as a story about power dynamics within familial relationships. But it's really so much more than that. Like, the show is very much about that thing. um, And is also very much about who will succeed as king after, you know, the king dies. But it's very often way more than that. Like, the dialogue will very, very often cut multiple ways and express express multiple things at once it's never direct and can be taken differently depending on who you're talking to or like who the characters are talking to um and then there are these moments of like real genuine like direct like emotional like uh, like payoff that just cut like a thousand fucking times harsher than they ever would have because they're so direct in this world where words have very little meaning or different meanings depending on someone's mood. Like, it just... Even the title of the show is a sort of double entendre because it is, you know, talking about the literal plot of the show, but it's also sort of getting at how the children have given up all of these... Or, not given up, sorry how they have been given all these positive and negative traits due to their domineering father and a mother that never wanted them. It is... It is fucking wonderful. Just, just wonderful. Um, Succession is many things, but probably the thing that it is above all else is smart. The show knows how to definitely handle scenes and character moments that other shows wouldn't even dare to attempt. It is full of literal Shakespearean plot beats and dialogue that make things both darkly hilarious while also some of the most compelling drama that you've ever, ever watched. Many a show has managed to do this uh, very thing, and there are probably just as many shows that have been able to draw you in with an incredible cast of characters or plot, but none of them, like, for my money, none of them, in at least the eight last, like, eight years has even been able to deliver week in and week out like this show has. Even the episodes that could be called filler, like, by this show standards, are better than, like, 95% of what constitutes as good TV uh, right now. Um, I saw something on Twitter the other day that was, like, a graph of ratings versus the number of articles about each show. Uh, show and it was like Succession, NCIS um, uh, what were the some of the other ones? Like The Good Doctor I think was on there and in that graph Succession had a disproportionate amount of articles per its viewership. Like it had the least amount of viewership but like the most amount of articles um, like written about it or whatever and the thing about that is that it's totally fucking deserved. Like Succession is one of the one of those shows that in another 20 or 30 years people will talk about it the way that we currently talk about Breaking Bad or The Sopranos or The Wire or you know any of those other TV shows that have managed to kind of capture the zeitgeist of their moment. This show is 
excellent from fucking top to bottom in much the way, same way that I told you guys to watch, like go watch heat. Um, what was it? Two episodes ago. I absolutely think you should go watch succession. It's that fucking good. Uh, so is I, have you watched anything else with Karen Culkin in it? Oh yeah. Within the past year. Uh, within the past year, no. That was a TV show. Since we started doing this podcast. Um. Because at some point you were talking about a show with him in it, I think. And if this is the culmination of that, like, coming to an end, that's crazy. Because I was able to see the start to finish of yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe I did talk about this before. I, I genuinely don't know. It's a long time ago. And it could be another show, if he's in another show. Yeah, I, I think it remember. was in Fargo season three, but I actually haven't watched Fargo season three, so I don't know. So maybe it was. I don't know. I thought this was the show with um, uh, what the fuck's his name? Uh, the guy that plays, I think his name is Ben in Parks and Rec. Oh, Adam, so, uh, oh fuck, yeah, Adam Scott. Um, Adam Scott. Severance. What's that show? Severance. That's what it was. Another S. I got you. Yeah. I thought it was that, but when you said Kieran Culkin, I'm like, oh, it's the other one. But it's been a long time since I've heard this show. Might have been first year, recording. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'm looking. I, I don't see him in anything recent that I would have talked Damn. about. I don't know. We need one of those. We need what Joe Rogan has. We need a Jamie, and we need to be able to say, hey, Jamie, go pull that episode of the podcast where we talked about this. Right. <laughs> uh, for free. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying anything. That's J, weird. J for Jamie, J for Jeff. I'm just saying. Mm, let's not do that ever. Hey, Jeff, pull that up. <laughs> See how easy that was? Alright. Uh Austin. Yeah. You've been watching Shameless. Yeah, speaking of a really rich family going to the exact opposite. A really poor family in the south side of Chicago. Um I'm almost done. Uh I just started season ten today. Uh I only have season ten, season eleven left. I'm at the point where Fiona has already left the show. Um I was really interested to know why she left. I looked it up. Apparently, Showtime just did not want to uh, pay her anymore. Or she wanted more money than what Showtime was willing to give her, and they weren't willing to negotiate. So she was like, mm, okay, fuck it. I'm going to not do the show anymore. And they said, okay, well, it's going to go on without you. And then I have not seen her in anything else since then. Um, so that must not have worked too well in her favor. But I, I don't... I don't know what, what, what sticks me with watching this show because it, it's really hard to watch sometimes. Uh, like I said the last time I talked about it, it's like you, it's literally nothing but watching all of these people who already have pretty shitty lives make the worst possible choices that they could in every given scenario. Um, all trying to uh, es escape poverty, essentially. Um, and I was thinking about it, and I think one of the reasons it's I've been hooked on it for so long is like what Madison kind of brought it up the other day I I see a lot of like familiarity in the show I guess um, 
a lot of similarities to uh, my own childhood and how I grew up. Like, like I said, this is all them doing really shitty things to stay alive or to survive. And like, I remember my family doing shitty things. Like, I remember fucking when I was a kid, uh, me and my brother going up to Quality Foods, and Quality Foods used to give out these fucking. Whenever you'd spend a certain amount of money back in the day, they would give out uh, tickets for it'd be like five dollars off your next purchase or something. Um, but like you could stack them like they it wasn't just one per customer. You could stack as many as you had. And like I, I remember my brother walking through the parking lot begging people for theirs just so we could get money for fucking groceries. And like their dad frank is this he is just a genuine piece of shit he only cares about drugs and alcohol he does not give a fuck about anybody else even himself uh this motherfucker will will put himself in the ground before he uh owns up to his shit and actually asks for help and like i don't know man like that's like that's how a lot of that's how a lot of members of my family were and i remember as a child watching family members go through drug addictions and alcohol addictions and watching it destroy them in the same way that I'm watching it destroy these characters. Uh, in season eight, uh, their mom who had bipolar disorder and never wanted to take her medication and was always either, and was just always in a constant state of manic and never took care of the kids would leave for months and even years on, on end before showing back up. And expecting them to still be like, oh, it's our mom, let's welcome her in. She finally dies of, like, a brain tumor. And, you know, they're all at the funeral. And, like, I I understand going to a funeral for somebody like that. Somebody that's supposed to be a constant in your life that's not. And, be, and it's because of drugs and alcohol. And I, like, I'm watching these characters go to this funeral and, like, trying to come to terms with, like whether they're okay if they're sad or not and like that those are the same feelings that i had like is it is it okay to allow myself to be upset about this like this was a piece of shit like they shouldn't mean anything to me but yet here at the end of the day they they do unfortunately and i don't know man it's a hard show to watch but I, i'm i'm in it till the end i fuck dude god damn it this shit gets hard sometimes though yeah yep I know, I know a lot, well, I don't want to say a lot, but <clears throat> I know the feeling. Fuck. It's been, Shameless has been uh, getting put on my For You page on TikTok for some reason. Wanna... Yeah, that's why I started watching it again, oh, shit. because I kept seeing clips on TikTok, and I was like, well, fuck, I've already watched half of it on TikTok, I might as well just go and watch it. Yeah, I don't know if they're trying to, like, get me to watch shit or not, but they have, like, the ultimate boss battle, because it just gives me so many clips for movies and yeah, shows, same. and it's like, dude, A, not only am I not going to watch it, but you just showed me enough of the movie to where I don't have to watch it. I know the plot, and I probably probably know how it's going to end. Thanks, TikTok. I get a lot of... I get a lot of Chicago Med clips, and I'm I'm like, why? Is that why do I get these? Which one is that? Ah, uh, it's just another one of those stupid corny doctor shows. Which one is the one with uh, the autistic doctor? That's the, That's good, the doctor. good doctor. I get a lot of those. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's because it became like a meme or something recently, I think. Recently, yeah. yeah. And that's the clip, too, that I always got. Um, well, people people started shitting on that show recently and saying that it, uh, it, it does a very bad job at accurately portraying, like, severely autistic people. That sounds accurate. And it is Hollywood, after all. I was about to say, it sounds I like mean, a TV yeah. show. Yeah, honestly. I've never seen it. I, I know a lot of people that watch it and really like it, but I've never fucking seen it. Oh. It looks goofy. Yeah. But maybe that's the point. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it is. Who knows? <clears throat> Not me. I ain't no shit. Uh, speaking of which, uh, things that I don't know anything about. Uh, that's actually not true. I used to work oh out. Oh my god. You did. You used to what? Used work, to work out. out. Oh, okay. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, it's my turn. Hey, surprise. Um, so I don't really like to talk gym stuff on here because honestly, like, I don't know how many people would actually be interested in or care about what goes on in my day to day activity in the gym um it's exciting to me um but it kind of feels like it really wouldn't be to other people so that's why i try to hardly ever bring it up um but recently i've become more and more happy with where i'm at and this is now my equivalent to uh the start of this podcast when i would just talk about fishing i still love to go fishing and whenever we do go hiking like i still do that but right now, my life consists of primarily not that. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, uh, it's just there's there's a lot less time for it, unfortunately. Um, but we still do. Like, I have a I'm off work next week for most of the week. If I'm not like five days, and we have time set aside to go out and do that, um, so that's exciting. But right now, I I do have a lot of time for the gym. Um, so I've been at my gym for a year now. Just. Ju- it's June, so just over a year, I think. And from where, I, from when I started to where I'm at now, I'm leagues ahead of where I was when it comes to overall strength. I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but I can finally say that I can see myself making substantial progress. Um, and with that, I've started to build more relationships in my gym as well, and that's why I love it. It's I'm not. It is a private gym. It's not a commercial gym. You have to have a membership to get in, like a uh, like a contractual membership. Um, and at first, when I went there, like I knew some people that I worked with who also went there, so I'll talk to them, and that's really all I've ever needed because Sabrina will go with me uh, most of the time, and that's been fine. But I remember my first week there. I will never forget it. Like. I was just doing my stuff and I was, you know, filling out the, the, the facility still because it was my first week there. And I've always, for, for the longest time, been interested in what the strong men do. Like the big, great names like Half Thor and uh, Eddie Hall and Brian Shaw. All those guys, I love that. Um, so, But I've never met one in real life. And first week in the gym and all of a sudden walks in this mountain when i say mountain i'm not kidding he is six foot five he is 420 pounds he is fucking huge um and i just stared at him and sabrina's watching me work out and all of a sudden my reps get a lot slower and she looks at me and then she turns around and she's like oh shit but i'm when she looks back at me she was like you know 
there are, are like three women in this room with those gym t- or the skin tight booty shorts on, and you've not looked at them one time. But the second that man walked into this room, you stopped what you were doing mid repetition and just stared at him. And I, <laughs> I was like, I've never like that's my first time seeing someone like that. And she was like, Oh my god, your first gym crush is a fucking gorilla, essentially. Um, and ever since then, like I've always watched him. I have always watched him and admired what he can do. Um, I've followed his Instagram forever, uh, but I never talked to him. That's just not me. Like, I don't like bothering people, to be honest with you, because I feel like I don't really want to be bothered most of the time. Um, but I watched him, dude. I always followed his Instagram. He can uh, deadlift easily 800 pounds. It's ridiculous. He can put 400 pounds over his head with a standing press. He could bench if when he was like practicing benching he could bench 500 pounds um shit like that is incredible to me like that's feats of strength that humans can they can't imagine it's a lot of weight that's that's more that's more than triple what a lot of people weigh and he just moves it like it's nothing 800 pounds are you fucking kidding me to pick that up three feet off the ground with a deadlift because by the time it gets to his thighs it's three feet off the ground um, and I've always admired that dude. And just recently I, uh, I wound up getting the perfect opportunity for an icebreaker. The person that recommended me to this gym, he's a good buddy of mine. Uh, he's not, he doesn't go there anymore. He has another gym and I heard this guy, his name, we, everyone in the gym calls him big red. So I heard this guy bring up the gym that my buddy goes to. And he walked outside after that to his car. And I was like, yes. Like, I know that he knows my friend, and I just heard that gym come up, and I was like, this is my icebreaker. I'm going to go fucking talk to him. And I did. And, dude, we just hit it off immediately. Like, we set up a date later in the week, which is yesterday as of today, and we just set it up to go train together, and we made it happen, man. And my body feels like it was hit by a train today, and I could die, but that just means progress. And I can finally, like, he wants to continue, like... I went into it thinking like he could train me and be a coach. But as of yesterday, dude, we had such a good time. Like it was, we developed a friendship. It wasn't like a coach and trainee thing. Like we were talking nerd shit and shows that we liked. We were talking the perks of lifting, just being bigger guys and the struggles that that's come with. Um, And like what we like about the whole strongman thing. Like we really hit it off. He introduced me to people in the gym that I've seen before, but never spoken to people who have won uh like bodybuilding competitions and stuff like that who i've admired like physiques and stuff for like i got to meet all these people and he wants to continue to train me to do what i want to do and that's strongman shit like i love that stuff and i've always struggled with overhead presses and we were doing shoulders yesterday and he said so what's your max and i told him my overhead press is not easy i've always had shoulder issues and i've had to battle back from that this year because it got really bad so i'm i'm i started at square fucking zero um and i've battled back and my personal best my max push that i would have to use like a little leg push with like to get it up it was 135 for me that's not great 135 pounds for someone as big as i am like it i've struggled to get there on one rep but he, we walked in yesterday and he said, we're going to be doing axle presses. So an axle is not a barbell. It is a fucking, imagine an axle, what that is. And it's that big around. And luckily it only weighed 25 pounds. 
So it's actually less weight than a normal uh, barbell. And we were able to add more weight onto the side and everything. But it's like it's a bigger bar so you can get a weirder grip. And it's just meant for big guys like us. Um, and he, dude, he was doing, by the time he was done, it was 345 pounds for like four reps or something like that. But I slowly worked up to it just because I needed, I needed to walk myself into it. And he trained me on my form. He gave me tips that I've never known about. Like he pushed me further than I've ever been pushed. And I hit 135. Like we did that for three reps on me. Like it was heavy, but I pushed it for three reps. And we both had two more sets in us. And he said, you want to go up? And I said, I think I can do 145. And I got under it. And it's the heaviest I've ever done. And I got it halfway above my head and he's behind me. He's like, go, 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 drive, drive, drive. Like every, and people are now watching me and I failed and I, and I felt so fucking defeated. And you guys both know me. I'm very competitive. I do. I'm very hard on myself. I did not like that. That did not sit well with me. So I was really doubting myself but I'm so fucking stubborn. I, I had to go for it again. And he was like, you dude, you had it. I, th- I think you can put it up. Are you going to go again? And I was like, I got one more. And because of him, because of his coaching, I got back under that bar and I threw that shit over my head. And like, it was the best feeling in my life. Like I've, I've hit a lot of personal bests recently, like 200 pounds in a bench press or fucking just stupidly ridiculous plates on a leg press. Um, and I felt great because of that. But seeing that, have people react to me doing it, but have him in my corner, and when I drop that weight, turn around, give me a fist bump, and say, hell yeah. Like, it, it, was, it was the best feeling in the world, dude. And I'm in such a happy place right now, and I've never <laughs> – I can't I, – I, like, earlier – like, even earlier in this year before I went to get help, like, we were talking about therapy earlier, right? I used to say – when I was in the peak of my depression, like my darkest of days, like I forgot what it feels like to feel what happiness is. And I don't have to remember that anymore. Like, because I'm there now and it feels so fucking good, dude. Heck yeah, dude. That fucking, that rules. I remember (coughs) hitting like personal bests and shit like that in the gym when I was going and how fucking amazing that would feel. It's the best. Yeah. It is unparalleled, dude. And like today I was in there. He wasn't there. It was me and Sabrina. But it's a mom and her daughter. And the mom has done lifting before. Like you can tell, but she's older. And she's in there training her daughter. And Sabrina and I are in the other room. But her daughter hit a new personal best on her bench. And like the mom is freaking out. Like having that kind of support and hitting your personal best at the same time, it is a feeling there is no feeling that I've ever experienced like it. It's, it's more than a sense of community because it's community. It's accomplishment. It's just a sense of pride, man. Like, and it, it's not, it doesn't matter that I only lifted 145 because I watched him put up 345 multiple times. It's something new for me. It's a feat of strength that I can guarantee most of the people in my life cannot do that. So, it's a sense of like, I've pushed myself beyond what a lot of people can. And that's why I go to the gym. I've been made fun of my whole entire life for being a big guy. Like my whole entire life. I had very little friends. My friends, if I did have them were also bigger. 
like I've been made fun of my whole life. And like recently in my mid twenties, I would say I stopped giving a fuck. Like it's, I battled through that shit my entire life. And now it's like, you know what? I am big. Fuck it. Whatever. Then I started to lose weight and then I lost a lot of weight. I lost a hundred pounds and got myself to about where I'm at now. I'm a little heavier, but I lost a hundred pounds. And then I was like, people have called me giant my whole life. Let me fucking see how big I can be. Let me see, like, let me be the Titan that I know I can be. And now that I'm on my way there, it, <laughs> it's, I'm elated. Like it's, it's just a good feeling, man. Heck yeah. That fucking rules, man. I'm happy for thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, That's it for me. That's literally all I've done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I've got one more. Uh, it's a show that I've already talked about before in this, in, on this show. Severance. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Barry. So I know that last year I talked about it, uh, as season three ended and I kind of gushed and, uh, like talked about how much I fucking really loved season three of that show. And, um, yeah. So I want to talk about season four and kind of like how, uh, I don't know how I feel about the entirety of the show now that it's, I guess, complete or whatever. Um, so yeah. So, um, season four, Barry is, I think not as good. Um, I think season three is kind of like the pinnacle of the show. And I think that like, the f- stuff that season three did was some of the best television, you know, just, just period like ever type thing. Um, and season four, I think pays off in a lot of ways. Um, what was kind of like set up in season three, but it doesn't necessarily do it in the, same sort of like ultra satisfying way that season three did like so season three was all about forgiveness and kind of like atoning for your sins and kind of what happens when you don't try to do that um and i thought it was like really excellent excellently written and i loved just about every second of it I, i don't think i really had any problems and season four kind of continues in that vein just a bit but more so in a like you can't outrun the bad things that you've done like that sort of way and barry has to reckon with all of the bad shit that he's done and in a lot of ways he doesn't do that and it's kind of brilliant really in the writing in a lot of ways Um, because you see a lot of people in the show really not doing that and kind of like lying to themselves over and over throughout the season and it only really works out in the end for a handful of them um because they do end up you know kind of like atoning uh and the people that come to realize that they're lying to themselves and about what they did and what they want to atone for um they're the only ones that leave season four relatively unscathed. And it's a lot of the ones who don't do that uh, or who are kind of like unwilling to accept that they've done bad things that are the ones who suffer the most. 
Um, that said, season four is disjointed in ways that just don't sit right with me. Like, a lot of the writing here is very good, but, like, so there's a time jump after, it's either, like, the third or fourth episode that I just kind of didn't understand. And then there's another one at the end of the finale that feels a little bit more earned, but is still kind of jarring in a way that I don't feel like the rest of Barry had been up to this point. And it ends up, I feel like telling a a pretty compelling story where the people who are in denial about the stuff that they, you know, have done, they get their comeuppance finally. And it's earned in a lot of ways. And it's told really, really well visually. There are so many fucking just really funny visual gags in this season. Like there's one in particular, uh, I think it technically actually happens twice, where Barry goes into like this kind of like big, big box retailer and he goes to the back of the store and he's like, guns? And they just give him guns. And in the finale, there's actually a a shot that's like just, I thought absolutely fucking hysterical where he goes to the back of the store, he says guns, and then the lady's like, well, what kind? And then you see him walking out of the store and he's just got like these big rifles strapped to his back. And as he's walking out the store, he goes to get in his car but he has a hard time getting into his car because they're strapped to his back. And it's just like really, really funny visual humor. Um, and that, that's actually a, a place where I, I feel like it kind of maybe does uh, have a little bit of a step up over season three. Season three was a little bit darker and a little bit more serious. Like it was still very, very funny, but I feel like the moments of levity and especially the visual comedy in season four really shine through. Um, the acting here in this season in particular is really fucking excellent. Like just across the board. I I really, really love Steven Root as an actor. Uh, I think that he kind of gets a lot of bit roles and doesn't necessarily always get his moment to shine in, in those roles uh, because he's a character actor. He just, he takes different characters and then makes them real. And he doesn't always get the sort of like shining, um, the sort of spotlight put on him, but he is so good as Fuchs in this, in this season. There is one scene in the finale in particular that I just thought that he was like doing some of the best work I've ever seen him do. Like he was just absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, the same thing could be said about, um, fuck. What is his name? I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, Henry, uh, the Fonz. Come on. Henry, uh, Winkler, Henry Winkler. That's it. Yeah. So, He's, I really love the things that they do with his character this season and the many different emotions that he gets to play. He just, he knocks it out of the park. He's, he's so, so good. Um, 
and and Bill Hader is is really fucking excellent uh, this season as well. He's he's still very very good. But like I I feel like Stephen Root and Henry Winkler they just fucking steal the show. Like they're just they're so good this season. Um, at the end of the day, I think that Barry ends up being kind of a. I don't want to say a cautionary tale, but it ends up being a story that's very much about toxic masculinity and kind of the stories that we end up telling ourselves to make ourselves feel better. Um, Like a lot of what Barry does from the very beginning is bad stuff. He is a very like not great person, like, but he's, he tries to change that. And the thing is, is he tries to change in a way that is not really confronting the bad stuff that he does. He never takes an actual long look at what it is that he is doing and why that is bad. He just, he knows that it's bad, but he thinks that he can just quote-unquote, be a good person, and all of that stuff just goes away, and that's not really how it works. You can't just hide the bad things that you've done and then, quote-unquote, get away with it. You know what I mean? And I I think that it kind of ends up having, like, a double meaning with not only just men, but kind of Hollywood getting away with that kind of stuff too. Like the movie or like the show was very, very satirical, especially in those first two seasons about Hollywood and the sort of like, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? The sort of, I don't know, uh, like pretentiousness of it, I guess. And it, it kind of ends up going in a different direction towards the end with, you know, it focusing on Barry and all the, all of the bad stuff that he uh, does and has done. Um, as, as kind of, I don't want to say disappointed, but like as kind of like not as good as the first three seasons, season four is of Barry. I think the show ends up nailing the stuff that it is trying to nail and the the stuff that is trying to send home at the end of the day works itself out in like really really excellent ways and i i fucking am astonished by it in some regards um i'm not sure how we'll look about it like i think that's you know i talked about succession earlier i think succession is going to go down as like one of the all-time great shows just period I don't know if Barry is going to have the same fate, but I do know that I had a really fucking great time with it. Um, HBO is just fucking killing it. I I don't know what else to say. They're fucking masters of storytelling and Barry kind of fucking rules. So, Dude, I see Bill Hader now, especially that he's older, and I have such a hard time just in glancing, distinguishing him from Rain Wilson. Now that mm. both of them are older, yeah, like, they I just can see look that. so much alike. He could have been Dwight in another world. You know, fucking uh, what is this? Seth Rogen audition for Dwight? That's weird. 
I don't that like that. Would have been the weirdest show in the world. Yep. I don't like that at all. At all, dude. I don't fucking like that. Austin, you here, buddy? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, let's uh yeah, let's move on to the topic of the show. Let's do it. So uh we we have these we have these battle rails. You know, we we have It's the best thing about our show. It's it's a thing about our show, that is right. Um well we we kind of uh had some uh ideas that we wanted to throw around for, for battle royales and this was the one that ended up sticking for us um at least for right now. So we're gonna take a look at some of the best antagonists in video game ever. Um we all brought five to the table, so uh, we'll name them all off, and then we'll uh, we'll get we'll get started. Um, some some rules, some rules. Uh, there is no self-sacrificing. Um, also, and this is a new one. If anyone disagrees with a choice regarding their character, they must offer up an alternative. Yes, or accept the choice made by the chooser. <clears throat> Uh, cool. So, my Austin, five. you good with that? All right. Yeah. Nailed it. Right. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Uh, my five are Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII, Andrew Comstock from Bioshock Infinite, Dracula from Castlevania Symphony, Symphony of the Night, Albert Wesker from the Resident Evil series, and Pyramid Head from Silent Hill 2. My five are Handsome Jack from Borderlands 2, Otto Octavius from Marvel's Spider-Man, GLaDOS from Portal, Kuro from Ori and the Blind Forest, and Sebastian Salo from Hogwarts Legacy. Cool, cool. I should finish that game. I'm not going to, though. Um, my picks are Dr. Eggman from the Sonic the Hedgehog series, Ganondorf from the Legend of Zelda series, uh, Base.exe from Mega Man Battle Network, gets us from Pokemon Black and White, and Dr. Maruki from Persona 5 Royal. Alright, Queen, which one of us starts off? Uh, I'll do a random number generator. Austin, pick a number. Seven. Alright, Josh, pick a number one through fucking ten. Uh, I'll go with three. Three, I will pick nothing. We'll see. It literally is three. <laughs> All right, so Josh, I'll generate another number. It's eight. I was gonna pick one, so Austin, I'll go last. Okay. All right, so Josh, Austin, Dylan, Jad, J A D. This is gonna be rough. This is gonna mm-hmm. hurt. Tagline: Merchant. Merchant. Uh, number fifteen, Doctor Eggman. That's fine. <laughs> don't care he's just there because he's I, it's just a villain I grew up with it's iconic that's the only reason yeah okay um how oh it's my turn next right and then you're last it is your turn Austin <sighs> I'm gonna say pyramid head I don't know anything uh, else no. No, oh, no. no nope that's not happening no. so Offer I for something else 
Okay. Ouch. Um, now, do we have to offer up something from our own list since we can't self-sacrifice? Oh, yes. It, ha it is your own list. Okay. Self-sacrificing means, uh, sorry, you cannot choose from your list to make that a primary choice. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, fuck it. Dracula. Dracula. Okay. I, I love Dracula in the in the Castlevania, <clears throat> but I don't love him nearly as much as I love every other one on my <sighs> list. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, brings us to 13... Austin, who are you most passionate about? And I'll not touch it. I'm not going to tell you that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not. Okay. Can I choose Getsus here? That's fine. Okay. Great part of the black and white story. That's why <laughs> I was concerned. So <clears throat> I put Getsus on here. Um, starting in Gen 3, Game Freak decided they wanted to have, they really cared about their games having good stories. And that ended with Gen 5, uh, where Getsus was introduced in Pokemon Black and White. Um, most of the villains we have in the franchise up until then are relatively goofy in pretty much every aspect about them. But Getsus was like, he, he was definitely, I think the most sinister that we had gotten so far. I mean, he went uh, far enough out of his way to abduct a fucking child and, and indoctrinate him into this giant cult that he didn't even really fully believe in himself. It was just a, a, a means to the end that he wanted and he's still one of the greatest villains that that series has ever had and probably ever will fucking have. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I don't know anything about it. It's Great. the truth, though. It's, it's one of the best Pokemon storylines to me. Okay. Well, that's cool. Back to Josh. Yep. Uh, Dylan. Yep. What are we thinking about Sebastian? Yep. I I'm I I, I can't. <clears throat> so every one of on my list I chose because not because they had cool boss fights or anything like that, but it's because of how crucial they actually were as antagonists. Um. Sebastian Salo from Hogwarts Legacy is not presented as that. So, this might be a hot take. I think he is one of the core antagonists of the game, even though he's posed to be one of your friends. Someone who is just a classmate, essentially. Um, Sebastian and you kind of get to know each other because you have similar interests in the beginning of the game. And you guys kind of hit it off. And you start to learn more about him. And his family, turns out he has a twin sister who is deathly sick. She's been cursed. And to put it plainly, Sebastian will stop at nothing to get his sister better. Um, I will not disagree when I, when I hear that Hogwarts Legacy doesn't deserve Game of the Year. I don't think it does. I think it was beautiful um, aesthetically, and I think it means a lot to me who grew up with the franchise. But the core game overall does not deserve game of the year. That being said, Sebastian's quest line in the game, if there was such a thing, could deserve side quest of the year. This 
ties Bloody Baron's questline to me. Um, okay. It was so fucking good because I was torn, man, the whole time because, like I said, he's posed as being your friend, and he is. He is your friend. He is the best story out of the whole game. But for once, you also feel like you're that meme at the same time. It's like, are we the bad guys? Yeah, you kind of are right now. Um, because, like I said, Sebastian will stop at nothing to cure his sister. Sebastian is the one who teaches you all three of the unforgivable curses. And Sebastian is the one who relentlessly will use all three of those unforgivable curses throughout the story, too. Um, I do not want to spoil it for anyone. I think you need, if you play Hogwarts Legacy, fine, do the main quest, that's whatever. But the emotional journey that you go on with Sebastian, even though he's posed as being, I would say, a good guy, he's not. Every choice he makes in the game, and you kind of help him make, it's the wrong choice. And ultimately, there's a critical cost for all of those mistakes that you guys make along the way. And he has so much emotional attachment to that game for me. Like, I love him to death because of how flawed he is. But he is not a good guy in this game. And he was my favorite thing about the game. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Sick nasty. Was it uh, Austin? Austin. Yeah, it's my turn now. Um, so Dylan. Hey. Gonna be between Kuro or Otto. Take your pick. Uh, I'll go Kuro. Otto probably. Okay, cool. Otto's got to go higher. Um, so Kuro is big giant owl from um, Ori and the Blind Forest, and like I said, all of these characters to me have some kind of like critical role in the game, a crucial element. And Kuro the whole time, or Kuro, I'm not sure, is the one who kind of maliciously pushes Ori forward through the game. Um, She is very protective of her children and everything like that, or her eggs, and she is out to get the world that has, again, I'm not spoiling anything because even more so than what I just talked about, everyone in the fucking world should play Ori in the Blind Forest. It's a very beautiful game. not going to spoil anything, but some really shitty stuff happened to Kiro. Um throughout her life and she lost fucking everything and there's a reason for her disdain for the world around her and her persistence in chasing down Ori um fucking great game man and even better villain or antagonist rather and that final boss fight where she's flying around and chasing you and everything it's fucking epic man I loved every bit of it hell yeah hell yeah Kuro. Uh, Kuro. Uh, is it my turn? Yeah. Uh, no, me. Sorry. No, it's your turn. My fault, my fault, my fault. Um, who'd we cut from? So no gets us, no Sebastian, no Kuro. Josh, can I go Comstock here? Um, yeah. I'd rather take Wesker. Okay. If you're okay with that. Yeah, I'll go Wesker. Wesker is going to be on my list, too. Yeah, Wesker... I don't know. Wesker is such a cool villain because 
he kind of is like a really wonderful example of like why capitalism fucking sucks. Like he's willing to sell out not only an entire city, but like the people that he works with and like is ostensibly friends with in order to make a quick buck. And it's just kind of fucking obnoxious. And I don't know. I, I kind of love him. I also kind of think that he's like the worst fucking like piece of shit. I don't know. It's, yep. it's good stuff. He's a badass. Yeah. And he's annoying as shit in Dead by Daylight. Mm-hmm. That yeah, I agree shit. with. Yep. All right, back to you, Papa. Uh, well, I meant Josh. I was going to say Daddy. felt like that was too much. Then I said Papa, but that's your name, so that's not good. So back to you, Josh. Okay. Um, yep. All right, I'm just going to test the waters. I'm testing the waters. Motherfucker. Okay. Whoever you're testing waters with will be hurt. Because once you say the name, it's like putting it in the death note. There's no going back. Oh, no, I just... Uh, okay. How, how are okay. we feeling about base? That's fine. You sure? Yeah. Okay. That's, That's actually fun. surprising. Um, I love base. Uh, I think aesthetically, base is probably one of my favorite antagonists of all time. Uh, specifically, base.exe. Uh, he's so edgy in early 2000s. I, I fucking love it. Um... He, at no point throughout the Battle Network series, is he ever the focal point of the story. Um, he never steps into being the main antagonist, but he's kind of like... He's kind of like the super antagonist. Whatever you think you learned playing this game, base will humble the shit out of you. No matter how good you think you've gotten in that 20 or 30 hour playthrough, base will test the absolute fuck out of that. He appears in every single Battle Network game as an optional super boss, and he uh, rings very, very fucking true to that title. He is very hard in every fucking instance that you fight him. Um, and then when you finally, I guess, actually kill him in Battle Network 6, it's it's almost like base acknowledging that you deserve to have that kill. And it, he's such a cool character, and he's great. Yeah, base was my, like, I had him on my laptop wallpaper, I had his action figure, I fucking loved base as a kid. I had the, um, uh, the PET that's used in yep. Battle Network 4, the flip-up one, uh, I had the base version as a kid, and yep. I loved it. Shit was fucking was so cool, cool, dude. We Great childhood toys. Honestly. Alrighty. Who, that was Josh Austin? Oh, yeah, it is my turn. Um, who did I take from last time? Dylan? I think so. So now i got to look at Josh. You don't have to. <sighs> it's true. I don't. But I know that any of the three that you have left, you're going to fight me on. So It is true. Um, Josh, how are we feeling about be. Comstock? Yeah, Comstock can go. Uh, at, at least All over right. the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not going to even attempt Sephiroth. Yeah, uh, so Not yet. the reason that Comstock fucking kind of rules as like a villain is because he has a reason for doing what he's doing, if that makes sense. Like, and I know that sounds stupid, like, as like a, like, justification, but like, when you think about like, 
great villains. You're always told that like the villain should have like the same goal as the uh uh or like the same objective as the hero, just the opposite end of that. The thing that makes like Comstock great is that he has literally the same exact goal as Booker in Bioshock Infinite. And like they're not even going about it in like different ways really because at the end of the day, spoiler alert, Comstock is fucking Booker and it ends up being like this like really interesting like philosophical debate on kind of like what you would do to protect the people that you love. And I don't know. I just, I think the fucking Comstock kind of rules. Like it's, it's just a really good writing all the way around. Agreed. Fucking wish, wish you'd play the game at some point, Mr. Papa bear. I might. No, you won't. I know. It's like Josh. What? I own it. I just haven't played it. Would you have every Bioshock? You play You have it on the switch. No, I have them on Xbox. Oh, is it on Game Pass, just, or do you just have it? No, I just, I bought them years ago. I just, I've never played them. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah, play that one. I might. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. Now it's down to me. Well, that sucks. Because <laughs> so I don't want to do... Damn. Those who yeah, sacrificing, that was a good rule. Um, what are we at? Uh, it's seven. seven. I gotta. I, I do not care. So that is why I am asking. Mm-hmm. What about Ganondorf? Um, sure. You do. Oh, I, are you sure? Really? Yeah. I figured sure. Maruki was his number one. Yeah. I think I would rather hold on to Maruki as long as I can uh, over Ganondorf. Um, I will say the most recent version. Are, wait, are you going with that? Are you good with that? I that is that's my pick? initial pick because I have no ties to it. Okay. All right. Well, if that's your pick. That's what's going. On. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> uh, the most recent recent version of Ganondorf that we got being the version we see in <laughs> the Kingdom. Um, I think is the best version of Ganondorf that we've gotten. Um, I don't know if it was just the writing this time around or uh, the aesthetics they kind of went for him in his character design or the incredible talent of Matthew Mercer behind him, but everything about this version of Ganondorf is fucking incredible. He is so, like... And the whole time playing through the game, like you get instances of Ganondorf just everywhere. I don't know if you guys have played enough to where you experienced fighting the gloom hands yet. Yep. Um, yeah, those are, have you killed a set of gloom hands? Nope, but I've seen it. Well, when you kill a set of gloom hands, it actually spawns a mini boss, which is a ghost of Ganon. Wherever you are in the depths, it's, it's literally like Ganon is reminding you that he's there and he's waiting for you at the very end. And it was an incredible fucking boss fight. Um, I, I don't. It's such a new game that I, I don't want to spoil that final boss fight yet. But it's, oh my god, it's so fucking cool. It, it's one of my favorite boss fights in all of Zelda, and it it looked incredible. Everything about this version of Ganondorf was just top fucking tier. And 
even aside from that, he, like he's such an iconic villain. Like he he is a never ending evil. Every single time that Link manages to cut down Ganondorf, there will always be another Ganondorf to replace him. And in the same vein, any time that Link's ever cut down, there will always be a Link to replace him. It's it's a never ending never ending evil, and it's I love him. He's such a cool character, such a cool antagonist that I can't wait to see again in six more years. Damn. Shit. Okay. I'm sorry. Who's uh whose turn is it? Now? You. All right. Uh... Look, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Okay. But here's my thing. I don't know of the three of these who my number one is. Mm. And I, I feel I have to let GLaDOS go further. Because we both love her. Yeah. And the obvious choice to go out here that you're probably going to say is Otto, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. It was either him or Jack, I think, for me. It hurts so bad because I've always hyped him up as the most antagonisty antagonist with Jack. But when I sit and I think about my emotional attachment to these three, I think Otto's number one. Yeah. Like, that story was incredible, dude. I think I have to go Jack here, too. So, that's... I am okay with Jack leaving. Okay. Um, dude. What a fucking... <laughs> presence that he has because every step of the way through Borderlands 2 he's just fucking taunting you dude and he has like maxed out charisma and just fucking intelligence too man like he is what made Borderlands 2 so fun to me oh uh, yeah 100% he oh my god like the the disappointment that was the Calypso twins in 3 after Jack is so disappointing. And it's sad because there's one little side quest where you get to hear from Jack again in like a flashback scenario in Borderlands 3, and that was more fun than the Calypso bullshit to me. Um, But God, man, just like the best villain possible. I loved everything about him. The final fight with him, and was it the Destroyer in Borderlands 2? I don't know. I don't know who the last Bullet Beast was, but whatever that final fight was, man, I fucking loved it. And it's really hard for me not to say he's my number one, but GLaDOS is fucking great. And when I get to Otto, I'll explain that. But, yeah, uh, bye-bye, Jack. Yeah. (laughs) It hurts, but it had to be done. Had to be done. Whose turn is it? Mine? Uh, Top five. Yes, top five, BB. Well, fuck. All right, Dylan. Why? All right. There is. All right. It can't be. I mean, Pyramid Head's right there. It's not, though. That sucks, man. 
I mean, unless you would rather it be GLaDOS. I mean, I do, but... I, if you would rather it be GLaDOS, that's fine. It's still top five either way. Yep. Give me a minute, because I got a... First off, dog just scared the shit out of me. Second... Mm. Kick him. This is... What? Her, first off. Second... Kicker. That is not good. Um... And third, let me fucking think about the choice that I'm about to have to make. I'm jumping <laughs> off the fucking bridge here. This is bad. This is this is probably the hardest choice that I've had to make in a Royale before. Yeah. This is a tough one. I th- fuck. Fuck. I'll let Otto go. <laughs> Um, icon status, GLaDOS is just higher. I think out of all of them, she's like God-tier antagonist. But Otto has a more personal connection. Um, everyone knows I'm a huge Spider-Man guy. Like, I love... Every, that He's my favorite superhero. I love all the villains. It's fucking great. Um, but more so than that, what what Insomniac managed to do with the relationship between Peter and Otto was not only humanized it so efficiently but made me as because we talk about this all the time like i have a soft spot for games that have like a good father-son relationship this is one of those but you see it from the like you know adoptive son's point of view where his dad is degenerating literally right before his eyes like the most brilliant man that he has ever met in his entire life a role model his inspiration someone who's giving him a chance a place to work working on something to better the future he is watching the man that he loves slip away and the man who is slipping away goes to the darkest place imaginable and not only lashes out at his adoptive son but you know the the neurodegenerative disease takes over and he loses himself and we have one of the most epic boss fights imaginable i fucking love that fight especially at the very end when you guys are like falling down the side of the skyscraper but that leads to the most tragic part of that entire game is both otto and peter crashing through the glass together and otto is a broken man laying there in front of peter like almost lifeless but begging for mercy and help at the same time and <coughs> Peter ultimately has to walk away and you just hear this earth shattering Peter like yell out in the most heart wrenching way like he's yelling for his son to not walk away but he has to and it's he is so so good he is the epitome of what I think an antagonist should be in a video game it, he was so well written. That game was so well done when it came to that relationship dynamic. I love, I love it so much, dude. For sure. Yeah, I. That whole last scene of them is fucking incredible. Yes, I, I do. I think that my, I, I think I said Ori is one of the few games that have made me cry. That one also pushed me close to because it's like I, I've known the story of Otto and Peter my whole life. You know, as long as I've been a Spider-Man fan, but seeing it like that, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, chef's kiss and chef's tears at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Agreed, 100%. Yeah. Um, so, Josh, can I go Pyramid Head? Yeah. All right. Yep. Uh, 
this is tough uh, because Pyramid Head is such a beautiful representation of guilt and also kind of like fear and just kind of literally everything that makes Silent Hill 2 great. Like, without Pyramid Head, I don't know that Silent Hill 2 is as good as it is. Like, I I really think that that's, like, an understated element of what makes Silent Hill 2 so fucking good. The literal monster designs are manifestations of things that, like, are part of James's psyche. And then Pyramid Head is, like, that guilt that is that is kind of washing over him the entire time that he's thinking about everything that he's done. And it is just, not only is it really fucking great from a writing standpoint, it's also just fucking terrifying. Like pyramid head. When you first see him in the game, it's like, Oh, I don't want to fuck with that. But then when you have to like get into situations where you're in the same like room as it, or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's always, like, a sort of, like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And, I don't know, it's just, uh, I fucking love that game, and Pyramid Head Head is, like, one of the big reasons why. Hell yeah. (sighs) Icon. Also, not as annoying as Wesker, but still annoying in Dead by Daylight. Yes. (laughs) Ustin. Yeah. Is it my turn next? It, it do, uh, mm. Nope. That is Josh's no, turn. I'm Josh's. sorry. I'm sorry. I fucked up. Well, uh, I mean, with that all said, like, we have each of us in the top three. Um, so we need to, uh, I guess, what would be a, 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 a fucking top three that we're happy to go out with Dr. Maruki, GLaDOS and Sephiroth is what I'm thinking I think that that would be acceptable I think that Dylan thinks that GLaDOS should go first and I'm not opposed to that from the sheer fucking legend factor I'm okay with Sephiroth winning. <laughs> like, well, shit. <laughs> I mean, dude, Glados again. Glados is like u- ultimate antagonist. Like, yeah, a presence in the game that's equivalent to Jax, but with I don't know, even more charisma, humor, and just fucking ruthlessness like she is fucking everything and then we talked about her in portal 2 becoming potato glados too it's just just fucking hysterical amazing yeah um (laughs) dude she's incredible um but sephiroth trend he's when i when we think of video game villains he's 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 the one yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean all right this is not my pick i'm i'm out of it (laughs) All right, so what if we tossed Austin a bone because he hasn't... I don't think Austin has won one of these. 
What if we give the top spot to Dr. Maruki? Or s sell me on Dr. Maruki, Austin. So, while, you know, like Gladys and, unlike Gladys and Sephiroth, um, Dr. Maruki doesn't really have, like, the, um, I guess, like, iconic antagonist sta uh, status that the two probably do. But when I think of what makes a good villain, to me, some of the best are villains that make you question whether they're even a villain or not in the first place. And that's kind of what Dr. Maruki does. Like, it's... His whole point is he wants to create a world where nobody has to suffer anymore. And, like, at, at face value, that's not a bad idea. That doesn't sound terrible. A world where everything goes your way, you never have any kind of heartbreak or loss or trauma, that's that's not a bad thing to have. Um, but then it, it comes with, you know, you you lose your freedom of choice and personal direction. You're... You're giving your entire life to this man to dictate how he sees fit because he thinks it's it's what's best for your heart and your soul. But you're completely uninvolved. You're left going down a, a, pre a predestined route that you can't change. But you don't have to deal with trauma anymore. Like, it, it's... He presents you with an extremely, extremely hard fucking choice to make and gives you really good reasons as to why it might be a good choice and the game forces you to make that choice. Um, you can side with Dr. Maruki and the game will literally just straight up end. You will get a cutscene that shows everybody's happy, fake, perfect lives and you'll get a credit sequence and the game will genuinely end. You have the option of that choice, but... And it kind of leaves it up to you to decide which choice you think is right. And, and and I think that's what makes a really compelling villain is when they can convince you that their, that their choice is the correct one. And it, it's what made me love Dr. Maruki so much as a character. I mean, that's kind of what I've been gravitating towards with my five choices. It's... it's some of them did have icon status but like you heard me what i said about auto like it go it transcends that mm -hmm. um and dr maruki is a great example of that he's not just a bad guy and he's not the the face of a franchise like glados is um i'm okay with dr maruki winning because like you said it's a story of someone making you question your uh the irony of it letting you choose mm -hmm. to let everyone have that happy life is is so is it's not lost on me like that's kind of a cool thing like that's the last choice that you would ever make in that world type of thing mm -hmm. that's so wild to me i love that so i <laughs> dude i mean i'm sold on dr maruki being number one i'm okay with glados being number three um but this is not uh, my choice as of right now. Yeah. Strashes. Um. Yeah, I think. Uh, why don't we do that? Why, why don't we? Why don't we do Gl Glados? Uh, since that's not uh, my pick, and we'll we'll go with Austin. You would pick, I suppose, Sephiroth? Yep. Cool. And then that would leave cool, it with... Cool. Dr. Marmar. 
Dr. Mom. Look at that. Cool. Look, Mom, I won something. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. Um, just not her respect. <laughs> I, love I don't you think so there's much. anything I can no. do to get that. <laughs> Never. You have no. mine, though. We love you. Thanks. 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 Dr. Marmar wins it. Tawny, that one's for both of you. You and Austin. For A Persona Tawny. game won something. That's true. Yeah, Doctor uh, Doctor Goth Goth made it pretty far in our royale too. She did. She did make it pretty far. Mm -mm. I don't know why I'm saying things twice, like Marmar and Goth. I don't know what's happening. I think you've spent too much time with Austin somehow. I'm yeah, telling you, I possible. feel like my spectrum levels increase. Now, I'm not oh, talking about the internet effect. company. <laughs> well, that's a thing that you just said. It's a statement. Hey, Austin, what have you been playing? Oh, we just or jumping wait. right in? Nope, because I guess we have to recount our fucking list That's of 15. That's yeah. yeah. We'll go... I'll, I'll, just, I'll just read them off. Uh, our top 15. At number 15, we have Dr. Eggman slash Robotnik from the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. You know they're not the same people, yes, right? Yes, they are. They are not. They are the same they fucking... Are not yes, the same they people. fucking are. Where no, was this not? passion at the beginning? You're not the same people. Dr. Well, Eggman and Dr. Robotnik are the same fucking people. They're not. Yes, they are. They're not. Doctor, are you gaslighting him? Go Dr. Evo Eggman Robotnik is the main antagonist of Sega's Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> franchise. Don't fucking know, play with me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, number 14 is Dracula from Castlevania Symphony, Symphony of the Night. Number 13 is Getsis from Pokemon Black and White. Number 12 is Sebastian Sallow from Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, number 11 is Kuro from Ori and the Blind Forest. Number 10 is Albert Wesker from the Resident Evil franchise. Number 9 is Base.exe from Mega Man Battle Network. Number 8, Andrew Comstock from Bioshock Infinite. Number 7, Ganondorf from the Legend of Zelda series. Number 6, Handsome Jack from Borderlands 2. Number 5, Otto Octavius from Marvel Spider-Man. Number 4, Pyramid Head from Silent Hill 2. Number three, GLaDOS from Portal 2. Number two, Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. And number one, Dr. Maruki from Persona 5. Mm -mm -mm. Bam. All right. Austin, what have you been playing? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I played the beta test for My Hero Ultra Rumble. Um, My Hero Ultra Rumble is a uh, three-man team uh, battle royale. Uh, takes place in the My Hero Academia universe. Uh, I was extremely iffy uh, when this game was announced because while it sounds like a cool concept, the character choice, like the roster choices, is what I found extremely fucking odd. Um, and some of the characters they kind of picked, I, I just didn't see how like a Battle Royale setting could really... like. One character named Asui, for example, her whole quirk is that she's just a frog. She just does frog things. She sticks to the side of walls, she can jump really high, and she has a long fucking tongue. But yet she was picked over characters like Kirishima, whose... His quirk is his, his skin can turn as hard as a rock. Like, that... 
for for a fighting game that just sounds better and some of the included characters just didn't really make a whole lot of sense um starting off i think there's only 17 characters available with like 13 being heroes and only four villains um gameplay wise it i don't know man it's not good but it's not bad it's 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 very very okay um essentially you have three different abilities that you can pick from you have a ranged and then kind of like an area of effect ability and then kind of like a close range ability and you can upgrade them as you gain uh little upgrade cards along the map you can also pick up cards of separate characters that you can equip that will give you a specific ability like while you have this card this character card equipped your attack stat is up or your speed stat is up and i i, I see what the game is doing but it feels like it just doesn't do enough like it, it feels like a watered down ninja storm combat thrown into a battle royale setting and it doesn't feel all that good um and it's crazy to me because I, I i think i said something about this in the podcast um i feel like this is a very marketable anime to use for video games like i feel like this series is just asking for a good adaptation uh, so far, we've gotten two fighting games that are okay. They're not, you know, they're not making it into a any type of Evo Championship anytime soon. But they're they're not terrible games. Um, and I just I don't know that Battle Royale was the first thing. Like it kind of just feels like they they had a whiteboard and they were throwing darts at different ideas and whatever that dart landed on is what they were going with. And this is the final product. Um. I don't know. It, it, it's not the full launch. Um, I don't know when that's going to be. I don't think that they've ever announced that. Um, the demo was, or the beta was available to play for five days on PlayStation exclusively. However, the full release will be on all modern pl uh, platforms. Uh, completely free. This is a gotcha game element uh, to it. You don't unlock characters through gotcha. You unlock like different uh, costumes and other unnecessary bullshit uh these characters all like you do have to buy them uh you only get like five or six to start out with but i played maybe four or five matches in one sitting and was able to unlock a, a, another five or six characters so like if you're spending actual money to unlock these characters please stop just just play the game you don't have to do that um yeah, I, I I'll 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 try it out again when the when the full release comes around. But I, this was very lackluster. This was it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was just very very okay. Okay, that's probably not something I will ever try. But if it makes you feel any better. I don't know that I'll try it again. Cool. Uh, well, Dylan. Hey, Dad. I think you and I have been playing the same thing. We have been doing that. How are you liking that? Uh, okay, Street Fighter Six is going to make it into our top ten uh, game of the year. Might be top five. Might be top five. Like, I, no I straight up fucking really, really love Street Fighter as a series, but I am fucking terrible at fighting games. I'm never I, I, I've never been someone who like could like 
sit there and like actually like play online with people and stuff like that. And like I I feel like this game in particular has made me kind of feel like I could if I really like really really wanted to. Um, it is just wonderful. Like I, I just all the way through. Like I don't know how how else to describe it like truly i don't um i love everything about this game i love that there's the new like kind of like uh how do i want to describe it like um i don't want to call it easy but like the new like the modern controls where like they kind of take out the 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 button press stuff for you and instead like uh, simplify it to like a handful of like face buttons and like it really I think makes things like easier for people not only to like like be able to play the game if they're like disabled and whatnot but like it also just makes it easier for people who aren't very good at fighting games which uh, you know as I have said I am not and I think that fucking like really is a great step forward for like accessibility in like fighting games, but also I really like the like the I don't know how to how to describe it, but like the the just sort of like not saying that it's okay to want to 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 not be good, I guess. But also, like, just the fucking character designs in this game are fucking awesome, man. Like, I really am digging, like, all of the new characters, or at least characters that I haven't seen before. But also, like, the redesigns for, like, the older characters really fucking, like, are fucking cool. Like, I really love Cammy's new look. I think it's beautiful. I really fucking dig Ryu's kind of, like, old, uh, like... I don't know how to do things, uh, like, old man act. Like, I kind of fucking really like that. Um, yeah, I, 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 everything about this game rules. I'm, I'm digging the fucking story mode. I know it's not, like, a, a super complex or, like, really, like, in-depth story mode with the, uh, world tour, I think is what it's called. But, like, not only do they have the world tour with, like, the, you know, create your own avatar thing and like like that's what you're playing with but like they also have the fucking like classic arcade mode where you get literally a, a story for every single fucking character it, this is I so I got I think I got it for free somehow um, I got the uh, Street Fighter 5 at launch and like that was the most bare bones fucking shit and I gave up about like I don't know, maybe a day or two in because it literally was just like, okay, I I can play online against people or I can play against the computer and that's about it. And like that didn't work for me for like a number of reasons, but like, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Everything about this though is really fucking working for me. Like it just really is working for me on a level that I didn't think that I, like, it was going to, to be perfectly honest. Like, I was excited about this game for sure, but it was never, like, something that, like, I was, like, 
going to go out of my way and, and be like, okay, this is going to be game of the year type thing. But like, this is going to make my top five. I'm almost certain of it. Like it is so much fun to play. All of the new stuff that they've added is like adding wrinkles onto a, like a game that I kind of had already like loved. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, really fucking digging it. So, I'm right there with you, man. I was excited for this. And I think I said to Austin last week on our little bullshit episode that I've fallen a little bit out of gaming. Just because I, I said this in our group chat, too. Like, I don't, I just don't have any drive to play anything right now, man. Like, I've just not had anything spark. Like, I don't want to play even, like, I'll dabble in Destiny right now, but I've just lost it, I think. And then I was, I missed the opportunity to get it on launch, but I did get it a few days after that. And my God, if the spark did not just blaze at that point, because I was like, I love this shit. Like, I actually skipped out on Street Fighter V. I played the hell out of Super Street Fighter IV. Um, but I skipped out on five, so I played this, and I knew a little bit about what was coming in it. But like you said, dude, the, the World Tour mode, it might not be all that, but it's all that for me. Like, I fucking love that mode, dude. I don't care that I'm running around beating up, like little fucking NPCs and shit. That's so much fun to me. So just so I can like kind of, um, you know, train myself, get acclimated with the game, try to learn my character and the fighting moves and shit. And I love being able to make the avatar how I want it to. Like I started playing it and Sabrina saw it. She's like, that looks like you. And I said, I fucking know. <laughs> like, how cool is that? Like I'm a street fighter character, man. Like that, that's so cool to me. And I'm about four to five, hours into world tour and i'm not fucking kidding i've not touched anything else when i get off the podcast tonight i'll probably go and try like traditional arcade mode but i can't stop playing world tour because it's so much fun man it really is it's so and this is it kind of had the opposite effect of tears of the kingdom whereas like i'm just running around aimlessly in tears of the kingdom and i feel lost whereas this world it's not anything crazy it's not colossal and big and and just wide open with thousands of objectives it's not it's it's pretty like the level the world that you're in is kind of open world and you can run around and find chests and stuff but it all feels very accessible and easy to navigate to the point where i've never fast traveled one time yeah same i yeah dude it's so easy to get around in and it's so much fun just exploring the city and fighting along the way i agree it's 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 an incredible time dude like it's giving hi-fi rush a really good like it's already beaten hogwarts legacy this is my number fucking one and a half right now because this game is so fucking good but i can't wait to keep playing it man like it's just it it keeps getting better and better and i love all of the new character introductions and the reworking of the old ones like you said like uh with chun li and cammy and fucking Ryu and Ken, like everyone looks so goddamn cool right now. Yeah. Fucking uh, Jury, dude. Um, holy shit, her redesign is so cool. I don't know if it's Yuri or Jury. I think it's Jury. Jury, her design, dude. I had to screenshot when she hopped off that bike for the first time. Bro. and she started to get a little psycho. Oh my god, dude. Her like, her design in this game is so fucking awesome. It is, man. Like, just everyone has such a cool rework, dude. I'm so happy with where they're 
with where this is at and where it could potentially go like to see what fighters they wind up adding like what they do with the fight pass and stuff like that like as of right now man they've got me like i kind of wanted to play diablo 4 as well but since i've picked this up i have not thought about diablo 4 one time it's 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 great great game yeah great job capcom for fucking owning this shit Dude, I I bought Diablo 4 and haven't even thought about Diablo 4. I feel that. I don't know what the fucking the magic sauce that they've got going on over at Capcom. They're drinking like, some magic shit right now. Like fucking with the with the like I I don't want to say reintroduction, but like bringing Resident Evil kind of like back to its roots with 7 and like fucking everything that they're doing with like fucking Street Fighter and like just Yeah, man. They've got some fucking sauce. Dude, this year they have given us Resident Evil 4, the Battle Network Legacy Collection, and Street Fighter 6. Yep. And th they're not missing this year, dude. I think we should have Developer of the Year at the end of this in Game of the Awards. Or Game of, Game of, <laughs> Game of the Year Awards. <laughs> um, because, dude, Capcom is slaying. I wonder if the producer of um, the guy who was the producer for um, Street Fighter Six. I wonder if he's kicking himself in the ass, leaving after the game is doing so oh, good. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I didn't. Yeah, because he did leave. He he announced uh, last week on last Wednesday on Twitter. Uh, he was the head. He was the head producer for Street Fighter Six, and he was also, I believe, the assistant director. For Battle Network four, five, and six, and then he was the lead director for Mega Man Star Force, and he left the company last week. So Wasn't I, it I like amicably though? Huh? Wasn't it in good standing though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had said on Twitter um, that he was graduating from Capcom, which in Japanese is just a nice way That's of saying right. that you've moved on. So That's right, maybe he'll yeah. go on to do something cool, but. Yeah, that's kind of crazy to leave right before that game dropped and then that game do fucking great it's doing so good and it's so fucking fun man like i'm my leg is twitching right now like i still have tomorrow off and i'm going to no life this shit tonight i'm so excited <laughs> how do you, uh what are your feelings on the new characters because like i if i'm Yo. not mistaken um the what's the, her name the the guy who's on the cover, what the fuck is his name? He's the first. Oh, Luke. Yeah, I think he was Dude, actually like introduced him. in five, but like he's oh, basically new to me, and he fucking like is. A, I love his design. I do too. I didn't know he was in five, but he's like you said, he's new to me. I love him, man. Like I love him as like kind of that mentor figure. Like I didn't think I would at first, but man, I fell in love with him, dude. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, fucking. Like I don't I don't know if Marissa. It's, uh, which one is that? Marissa's big buff Roman mommy. Oh yeah, she's. I love her fucking design too, dude. I want to see if the, this. I need an arcane esque version of a Street Fighter fucking shit. I want to see her just wipe the fucking floor with someone like Zangief, dude. Oh, dude. Uh, in the arcade mode. Um. Oh. Oh, I can watch it. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> oh, uh, this it's, is so it's sick. It's not really like a. It's not really a um like an actual like fight per se, but like you get like a sort of like story element between the two of them. 
That's so sick, man. Yeah, dude, she, like, when I first saw her, I was like, what a behemoth, dude. And, then, like, looking at her character stats, she's six foot eight, two 269 <laughs> pounds, dude. Yeah, yeah she she's is a, a fucking monster. badass. Dude, I love everything about her, dude. But then there's, like, I, so, like, Kimberly, I don't know if she was in 5 or not, but she's new to me in this uh, game, too. I think too, Kimberly she, is, is new. She is beautiful. Yep, yep. I uh, love... I love her design and fucking Manon. I don't know what it Manon. was, but I just immediately locked onto her. I was like, she's she's awesome. Like, divine and elegant. Describe Manon to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. she yeah, and she's got this incredible. weird, like, I, I love how, like, each one of the fighters has their own style. Like, Zangief is kind yep. of, like, slow and ultra-fucking-powerful. Uh, and then you've got, you know, obviously like Chun-Li and Cammy, they're kind of like s swift and fast and like very like martial arts, you know, focused or whatever. But then like yeah. Manon, she's got this sort of like, I, I don't even know how to describe it if I'm, if I'm being honest with you. It's like a, um, she's like a grappler, but with like her legs. I don't even... Which is fine with me. Yeah, it's fucking... She's awesome, dude. She's fucking awesome. Yeah. And the introduction of... um, uh, Not necessarily as a playable character, but just uh, like Chun-Li's little uh, oh, pupil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was her I, name? I can't remember her fucking name off the top of my head either. I can't, but she... Like, she is so cool. Like, I love getting to, you know, know a lot of these characters that are coming into the game. And, like, I'm telling you, it's so high on my list. They have done so much right. I love the art direction with it. Like, once again, it's fucking beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, I, if I'm being honest with you, I was kind of afraid of the, um, of the art direction. Because I'm not really into the, like, ultra stylized like gigantically buff people but yeah. like it fucking works man it works in this <laughs> yeah. game I don't know it's good man Austin pick it up so we can all gush I might okay <laughs> well, probably when it goes on sale I feel you okay <coughs> Fair enough. yeah it's not for me treat yourself not really uh I don't know yeah, I, I can feel that, though. Like, I, as excited as I was about this game, I was also very apprehensive because I was like, I I really like the gameplay of Street Fighter V. I, like, I thought it was really awesome, but, like, mm -hmm. the the lack of just anything in that, in that original, like, release was, I don't know, man. It, it just, it put such a bad taste in my mouth. That, mm. like, when, when this game came around, I, like, again, I was excited for it, but I was like, I, don't, I just, I don't know if I'll pick it up at launch. I don't know if I'll even play it, to be honest with you. And I'm so fucking glad that I did. Like, I'm so glad that I did. It's, yeah, I, I, I think I'm right there with you, Dylan. I think it's probably my number one and a half. Like, it's, yeah, it's, truly. it's tied with, with Hi-Fi for me. Yep. So I can't, dude, it's going to be hard to beat it, man. Yeah. Like, I guess I'll have to give... Oh, wait! Uh, not Street Fighter, you dumbass. Uh, Final Fantasy comes out in two weeks. Yep. Holy shit, man. Let's go. This is going to be a good month, mm -hmm. dude. 
It's gonna be a very, oh, yeah. very good month. But <sighs> all right, well, sick. That's that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. Let's get our picks of the week, and we'll get out of here. Woo! Uh, my pick of the week is a YouTube video called "The Elaborate Story Behind Shia LaBeouf Live." Um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in like two thousand and eleven. 2012 maybe just do it uh there was a there's a little video called shia labeouf live uh with rob cantor where they had this side of this kind of like play going on where they were singing shia labeouf and like um they had like these like weird paper mache heads and like there was just a bunch of like weird shit that was going on and um this video is kind of about how that video came to be uh, and like what exactly all the you know circumstances that came about were and it's just really interesting because like I remember this video very vividly but I always was of the mind of like what the fuck like who who thought of this and you know whatever and uh, yeah like it's it's a good video. Um, it's only like 11 minutes long, I think. 15 minutes long. So, something like that. I don't know. Um, it's good shit. Really good shit. Hell yeah. Uh, my pick of the week this week is an album called Restoring Force by a band called Of Mice and Men. Uh, this is the last album featuring Austin Carlisle as their vocalist, and it's really, really good. Sick. Okie dokie. Um, mine is an Instagram handle. It's on Instagram, big underscore red underscore strongman. If you guys want to see what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, if you guys want to see the video I recorded of him most recently, it's his most recent unpinned video on Instagram. He's a big guy, and I think it takes seeing someone put that kind of weight over their head as easily as he does just to really understand or to pick up 815 pounds on a deadlift and watch a piece of steel bar bend under that kind of weight. Like... It's something to be seen. So check him out. Give him a follow if you like it. It's it's fucking awesome, man, to see humans capable of shit like that. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, as always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Bop, Hunting Pickles, and the Culture Bop family of content. <laughs> Culture Bop is available on Instagram at culture underscore bop and on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Culture Bop. New video coming very, very soon. Um... Keep an eye out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Bebopman182, on Instagram at Bebopman182, and on Twitch at CultureBop. Dylan is available on Twitter at OmDizzyTV, on Instagram at OmDizzy, on Twitch at OmDizzy, and on YouTube at OmDizzy. And then lastly, Mr. Austin. He's on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and TikTok, all at Big Papa Plays. Uh, last but not least, you like us? You like what we do here? You like listening to listening to us with your ear holes, you know, um, maybe even your odd holes some someday, maybe eventually. Um, well, if you like what we do and you want to support us, uh, well, that's super easy. You go to Patreon.com/slash/CultureBop and you toss us a pledge. Got some really cool perks. Uh, got some really cool things going on over there. I'm about to launch our first ever patron um sort of tournament thing 
and yeah, we're going to have even more stuff coming on on the Pikes down over there. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's it, I think. So that's the end of the show. Until next time. Goodbye.